Hey, you're listening to the GGC Life Podcast. Weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed. Turn to Matthew 5. Matthew 5. I'll give you a moment to get there. Now when he saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when you, sorry, blessed are you when people insult you persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by man. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before man, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. I tell you the truth. Until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Anyone who breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. I feel like I could just sit here and continue going. You were all wondering how long I would sit down for, weren't you? The Beatitudes. So Jesus, Sermon on the Mount. This is Jesus' sermon. This is when he took a moment, he saw a multitude, a massive crowd. And he said, you know what? I'm going to seize this moment to teach. And I think this is one of the greatest 
teachings in the Bible where Jesus really took a long period of time to really get to the depths of what he came to teach us. And what I want to do tonight and next week, because I'm on next Sunday night as well. So I, I literally am just going to take the next two weeks to go through the Beatitudes, just to take some time and just read what Jesus said and then have a chat about it. I'm going to do the talking, <laughs> just in case you were wondering. Because Jesus says we're called to be the salt to this world, that we're called to be the light to this world. And I think that that is so important. And I really feel that as a church, that we're moving into this new season, which we're talking about seasons at the moment, where we really need to let our light shine, that we really need to be the salt to this world. And that doesn't just go as a church. That's as a church, but also as an individual in where is God placed you? Where has God called you to be? Because where has God called you to be the salt? Where has he called you to be the light? And I love how it says, when salt loses its saltiness, what good is it? Like what good is putting salt on something that has no saltiness? We all know that that would just be pointless. And, I, and I, anytime I share that verse, I always think of um, the, the saltless tomato sauce. It's just... It, that is a sin. It should be in the Ten Commandments. But it then goes on to say, who lights a lamp and puts a bowl on top of it? Like utter stupidity. Because they used fire. <laughs> Did you ever think of that? It's going to make a bigger light. <laughs> Maybe that was their intention anyway. All right. Who lights a light? And then covers it up. Like I make a joke of it, but they used fire and then they're going to go and cover it up. Where today we use electricity. Who's going to waste electricity? It's like, have you ever had your mum be like, turn the light off in your room. You're not in there. That whole, turn the light off. You're not in that room anymore. It's that exact thing. It's like we're wasting electricity. But who turns a light on and then completely covers it? It's an absolute waste. But yet that's who we are. We're called to be the light and we're called to be the salt. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. Not to hide it, not to snuff it out, but to be the best light and salt that we can be. So I love, I love the fact that then he goes on to teach us how to be the salt and how to be the light to this world. He doesn't just leave it there and then go, thanks for your time and walks away. He sits down and over the next two chapters, He literally teaches them how to be that salt and how to be that light. And I really feel it would be cool for us just to spend some time going through that, learning what he had to say about being the salt and the light. And you know what? Somewhat way, some of you may say this, why? But I love how the next party then goes on to talking about the Pharisees. And he actually goes to the extreme of saying, you need to be better than the Pharisees. You know, we we love to talk grace, and, and I'm all for grace, and I love grace. But I love how Jesus here says, I didn't come to abolish the law. Every letter, every pen stroke is still gonna stand, is still gonna have a place here. And he goes even to the extreme of saying, you look at the Pharisees and think they hold the law well. You need to do better. 
If you're going to be one of my disciples, if you're going to call yourself one of my disciples, you need to do better than the Pharisees. And we look through the Bible and it's like, that's intense where the Pharisees held themselves. But yet we're called for a higher standard than that. And that's a part of what we're going to look at here. It's Jesus goes beyond the law. He literally takes it to that next level. And that's what's amazing about Jesus. He seriously takes it to a whole nother playing field. And that's what we're going to go through tonight. So what I'm going to do tonight is I've got 12 points that I see in the Beatitudes that I'm going to go through over the next two nights. So I thought I'd be fair and give you six tonight. And I'll give you six next week. So Jesus goes from there and he gives us our first one. The title is Murder. Murder. And we all know that the the Bible says you shall not murder. We know that. And that's what he's talking about. That is the law. So they were hoping that Jesus had come to fulfill that. So now you can murder again. (laughs) But no. He doesn't. Jesus calls us to be so much more. So let's read the verse. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to his brother, Raka, is answerable to the Sanhedrin. But anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you, offend, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother. Then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still with them on the way. Or he may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. I tell you the truth. You will not get out until you have paid the last penny. See, Jesus takes... A law here, he takes a commandment here that is, you shall not murder. And he takes it to a new level and he says, no, if you even think in your heart with hatred against someone, with anger against someone, if you feel in your heart against someone, then it's just as bad as murdering. It's just as bad. You may as well have gone and murdered someone Because what Jesus is saying, he's taking it from the physical act and he's putting it a whole step before and saying it's all about our heart. See, the law was to show us where we were messing up. Jesus came to show us that it's in our heart. If we can catch it at our heart, we won't even need the law. Because see, if I catch it in my heart and I'm never angry at someone, how could I ever murder someone? Yeah. So Jesus is saying, if we catch things in our heart, then the law is fulfilled. I don't need to think about the law. I don't need to be thinking about, I can't murder, I can't murder, I can't murder. Because if I keep telling myself that, there is something wrong. Because I'm obviously thinking, I want to murder, I want to murder, I want to murder. 
But Jesus is saying, catch it in your heart. If we catch it before, then we're going to shift things. So I see that Jesus is calling us to be a restoring people, a people that restore. If I walk into a room, I should bring restoration, not destruction. I shouldn't walk in and see things fall apart. I should walk in and bring restoration. Because if I'm coming in with that spirit where I'm not going to be angry, I'm not going to hold a grudge. You know, he says, be quick to go and sort out your grudge. Be quick to take that offense and deal with it so that it can't fester and become anymore. You know, the the biggest thing that takes out companies and people and friendships and families, it is offense, which turns into anger, which turns into hatred all over some issue that we, we never dealt with. But Jesus is telling us to take that issue and go quickly sort it out. Don't think you can go and do other things. Because we know that in the Old Testament, the offering was extremely important. You had to do your offering to get before God again. And he's saying, this is even more important to me than you offering anything. I want you to sort out your issue with someone before you do anything else. Like we've got to remember, this is Jesus talking on his moment that he had to share with his people. And he's saying to them, the first and most important thing is don't be angry. Catch yourself and go do something about it. Go and reconcile that situation. And if we can be those people, wherever we go, wherever we go as a church, wherever we go as individuals that bring peace. You know how he started with blessed other peacemakers. Why does he say that? Because it is so important to him that we are peacemakers in every situation that we go into. So what you want to catch from this is stop murdering people, (laughs) if you didn't catch that. But love people. Like, catch yourself and go and face those things. It's, It's a hard one, but it's crucial conversations. It's crucial conversations where you need to sit down with someone as hard as it is and say, You know what? When you did that the other day, it hurt me. Or I took it this way. To give that person the chance, the benefit of the doubt, to say, that's so not what I meant. Anyone married here? Like that's the first lesson, 101 of marriage. Talk to each other. Be quick. Because it's communication. We misunderstand. And that's what Jesus is saying here. Be quick about it. Yeah? Be quick. And restore, bring restoration wherever you go, not a spirit of destruction. Because it's so much easier and more natural to think on that negative side, to think on the anger side. You know, the verse that says, like, do not do anything, do not sin in your anger. Like, don't do something you regret in your anger. Like, catch yourself. And, and I, I've got a four-year-old, so I'm trying to teach him at the moment that you win better if you catch your anger Say, Daddy, I want some space. Go calm down and then come back and talk to me. You're going to win. I'm trying to show him that he wins more that way. And if he just gets angry and tucks the tantrum, he loses out. So if I can teach him at a young age, that's what Jesus is trying to teach us here. If we chuck our little tantrums, we lose out. Yeah? The people around us lose out. And then we lose our saltiness. We lose our light. Because if the world's looking in and we're a people of hatred, why would they want anything to do with us? Why? We lose our saltiness. So Jesus is saying, show love, be quick, and be a people of reconciliation. Be a people of restoring what's around you. 
Cool? Yeah. Awesome. All right. That's the first couple of words. The next one that Jesus goes into. Have you heard that it was said, do not commit adultery, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Man. Do not commit adultery. That's okay. But then Jesus takes it that step back again and says the the whole thing is in your heart. The whole thing's in your heart. Because if we look at a woman lustfully, then we may as well have done it. And girls, that goes for you. Look at a man lustfully, you may as well have done it. It goes both ways. But that's not just adultery. That's anything in life. We all deal with different sins, but it's the same thing. If you're committed in your heart, then you're still committing it. You're still doing it because one day it's just going to come out. You know, Stephen, um, no, Craig Rochelle talks about swearing. It's great if you can stop yourself physically swearing, but if you still do it mentally, then you're still doing it. It's still going to come out. It's still there. It's the same as like, I, I'm shocked just working in the, in the secular world. You, you hear people talking and like a girl walks past and they're talking and they're just like talking about this girl. And you're just like, wow, you're married. Like you're married and you're talking like that. It just baffles me that you're okay with that. Like you're all actually okay with that. This, you're married and it's okay. That's okay because they haven't gone and done anything. But that's one step away from doing it. We need to be a people that is so different. No. First of all, I honor my wife. I've made a commitment to her and I have to stand on that commitment. And second, I honor that woman that's walking by. God made her. She's a princess, a daughter of God. I'm not going there. And if I can have that as my value in my heart, then adultery is never even questioned. It's not an issue because I'm way back here. And I think what Jesus is saying is be a self-disciplined people. Be self-disciplined because there's only so much we can help you on the outside and we can only help you on the outside when we see outside physical things. So it's like you don't realize there's something wrong with the tree until the fruit's bad. You know, you know there's something wrong with your tree way earlier, way earlier. You need to deal with that before the fruit starts growing. Because when the fruit starts growing, it's a hell of a lot harder to get back to where that issue originally was. So we want to catch it internally beforehand so that we don't have to have that issue when the fruit's grown. Because see, the fruit with adultery is pretty bad. If you've gotten to that point, then there's big issues you're going to have to deal with. But if you caught it back at a bad thought, hey, we can deal with that so much more easily. And it goes the same in every area of our life. Um, Like driving my car. I got a new car and I really like it. 
It's a sporty little... Um, anyway, it's a beautiful little car and God bless me. But it's exactly the same as me being self-disciplined. I can stand up here and preach to you guys, but then when we're finished packing up and I get in my car and then I like zoom home and I cut people off and I, I just live a completely two different lives. What, what's the point of it? I may as well give up now because one day that will come out. One day I'll get caught. One day something will happen. I'll have a crash or the worst. Like who knows? But then that completely discredits me. Then my fruit is gone. If I don't deal with that issue right now, I need to deal with that right now. And don't worry, I don't speed. It's not an issue for me. I might put it in eco mode because I'm too cheap to pay for the fuel. Because this is the first time in six years I've had to pay for fuel. And it's like terrible. I want the fuel card back. Um, But... It's the same thing. We all understand self-discipline when it comes to fitness. We all know you're not going to look awesome if you don't go to the gym and you don't eat correctly. We all know that it takes self-discipline. You've got to get up early or go late. Whenever it is you go, you've got to go to the gym regularly. You've got to be committed. You've got to see it through. You've got to eat healthy. It is such a big aspect to see the outcome. We all want the outcome. (laughs) Yeah, I'd love to wake up and look like Dean, but it just doesn't happen. I pray all the time and God just says, be self-disciplined. Stop eating the chips and stop sleeping in. (laughs) But that's it. How many of us walk around with our eyes gouged out and our hands cut off? Like Jesus was being extreme, but there's truth to his point here. If something is causing you to stumble and it's going to take you out, Do something about it now because that is going to be much easier than dealing with the outcome at the other end. And that means, I don't don't think that means today, like if you're dealing with something and it's causing you to sin that you have to go cut off your hand. Maybe go to the leaders or your connect group leader or your youth leader or the, the elders in the church and say, hey, as hard as this is, I really need to talk about this. I need to bring it into the light so that I can cut it out of my life. Can you help me? Because that's what Jesus is saying. If we can do it there, then we will be the salt and the light to this world. Because if we just stand up and say, hey, I've got it all together, and then you find out a year later that I don't, that's why the world thinks the church is just hypocrites, just judgmental, that we just don't have it. We're just all more righteous, higher than you. No, we're just as real as you. We have Christ in us, and that is my strength. I am still a broken, fallen man, but my hope is Christ in me. That's the change. That's the glory that is before me. And I'm daily becoming more like Him. And I'm going to use all of you to help me get there. Because I don't want to end up at the end not cutting things out that I should have. So let's do this together. Let's be a self Disciplined people. Because if you're self-disciplined, you're going to be so much further down the path. All right, the next one. This is in 31. It has been said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife, except for marital unfaithfulness, causes her to become an adulterer. And anyone who marries the divorced woman commits adultery. Now, just this is not to judge anyone. If you've been divorced for whatever reasons, this is not about that. It's not to judge you. I just want to share what Jesus is teaching us here and what he's saying. So divorce, 
This one, I think we need to be a committed people. We need to be committed. We need to be the ones that if we say yes, it's a yes, that we are committed, that we see things through. No matter how hard or how tough it is, we see it through. Like Jesus is saying, there's no out here. I made it without an out, that that you're going to see this through. You are committed to one another. You are committed. Now, that's not just in marriage. That's any covenant you make, any agreement you make, any Anything you sign, anything you put your name to, you're saying, I am committed to this and I will see it out. We're not people that say, yeah, and then cut it out from under you or take it away or take the shortcut. No, we are committed and we see it to the utter end. Because, you know, it goes on to say that you would cause that woman, whoever else she marries, would then be committed adultery. I find that really interesting that Jesus is saying, If you divorce a woman and then she goes gets married because you just chose to divorce her, the person she marries ends up getting caught in this. Like you've got if you break your commitment, it has a flow on effect. It's not just you and that person. There's other people that it flows onto that affects other people, and you don't know the outcome of that effect. Like you don't know what ramifications that's gonna have. So if you had a commitment to come and, and be on cleaning or setup or, or words or lights or whatever, that's still a commitment. And we're a committed people. And if, if we break that commitment, then that has a flow-on effect to someone else that now has to cover that gap. And you don't understand their circumstances and where they've been at and what they've had to do already. And that has that flow-on effect. And I think the world sees that, that we're not a committed people. If we, if we truly stand on Jesus' values and we're truly committed to Him, that's when we're the salt and the light to the world. Like I love the early church. You look at not the Acts early church, like the early church where they built the hospitals. They built the schools. They, they saw things and did something about it and made big inbreaks into the world and changed it because they were committed. Like... A nun. Like, talk about commitment. Like, giving your life up to and unto the service of the Lord. Like, true commitment, where we just stand on what we say we're going to do. And that's in all aspects of our life. Cool? You still with me? The next one starts in 33. Again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, Do not break your oath. But keep the oaths you have made to the Lord. But I tell you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair. No, I can't. White or black. Mine was just don't even grow. Simply let your yes be yes and your no, no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Let us be a people of character. See, if I had really good character, I wouldn't need to say any more than yes or no. See, catch this. If I have to say, yeah, I'll do that. I promise I will. Like this time, I promise I will be, on, I will be there. I'll do it. 
You straight away know, I have to say all that. I promise on my mother's grave. I promise on, on, on the throne. I promise on this. Why do I have to say all of that extra? Because I have no character. Because I've been inconsistently inconsistent. So now I do need to say all that other stuff. But if I just genuinely was a man of character, all I would have to say is yes. And, I, and then I'm done. Because I've built character in my life. Imagine the world. Like, they, they don't understand character. I love this saying that, um, I mean, I'm going to preach Craig Grishel a lot tonight. I think it was him. But he talks about trust and respect. He says in his church, in his organization, that he gives 100% trust when you join and 100% respect when you join. Because you know how people say you have to earn my trust. You have to earn my respect. He says, no, 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 it's the other way around. You can't earn trust and you can't earn respect. You can lose trust. And you can lose respect. And I think that's such an interesting twist, a different way of looking at it, going, you know what? Let's be a people that just give 100% trust. And the only way that drops is because they failed and they lose trust or respect. Same. I just really love that. But Jesus here is talking about be a people of character. So I, um, for ages... Lucas, Leon, and Daniel, I ran a little connect group for them um, for a really long time. And it got to the point where I couldn't do it anymore because of time commitments. So then I started having breakfast with them on a monthly basis. Um, And one day, I was meant to have breakfast with Leon. And Leon was at the cafe. But little did he know, I was at a different cafe because he didn't listen to which cafe I said to meet at (laughs) or I didn't say it clearly enough, one or the other. (laughs) So he's at this other cafe and I'm at this other cafe. Leon's freaking out. He's ringing Vanessa going, something's wrong. Nathan's not here. He goes, and Vanessa goes, Leon, we were meant to meet at seven. She goes, Leon, it's two past seven. (laughs) He goes, something's seriously wrong. He rings Leo. (laughs) Leo, dad, for him. Dad, Nathan's not here. (laughs) He couldn't brag me. (laughs) So it gets to like 10 past and I text him and in my head I go, oh, Last time we met at a different cafe, I bet you he's there. So I texted him and he said, yeah, I'm there. So we, I got there. And when I got there, he told me the story. But the point of the story is, why was Leon freaking out that I wasn't there? Because I am never, never late. I'm always the first there. He's never beat me except that time. So my character had built an expectation that I didn't have to. I, if, if I say I'm going to be there, Leon freaks out. When I'm not, because that's character. That's, good. that's the character that Jesus wants us to show, that we don't need to swear on anything. Let just let our yes be yes and our no be no, because we are people of character. Yeah, I love that one. That was probably my favorite one. Oh, I like this one too, but anyway. They're all pretty good because Jesus said them. <laughs> If you've got one of those red Bibles, this, is, this whole section's red. And you know what? I've got dyslexia, and red is the worst color for me. So I made sure I bought a Bible that doesn't have red. It's all good. Um, 
Oh, this is exciting. I hope you're enjoying it as much as I am. <laughs> Who loves the Bible? Yeah, come on. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist, resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other. And if someone wants to sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. If someone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. We should be a generous people. See, Jesus is saying, you know that it's an eye for an eye. That it's, if someone does this, you do that. If someone's this, then it's this. If you work, you get paid. If it's this, it's that. We all know that that sense of the world we grow up in is tap for toe, this for that. And Jesus just completely turns it on its head and says, no, it's not that at all. If someone asks for your shirt, give them your jacket as well. If someone asks you to go one mile, go with them too. Just go that extra mile. Like just everything we have, we're just a generous people. And, and it's not just about one-off generous. It's just a life of generosity. That it's not an expectation for anything in return. Because God is my provider and I know that he has my back and that he will provide for me that I have no need for a return. Like nothing I do needs a return on it. That's what Jesus is saying. That we are honestly no strings attached. No strings attached in everything we do. Um, the, if you, the context of go one mile, go two. Um, the Romans were allowed to force a Jewish person to carry their gear for one mile. And the Jewish people would literally, as soon as they hit that mile, throw everything on the ground and then storm off. And Jesus was saying... Like, imagine this. Jesus is saying, once you hit that one mile, just go another, just for the fun of it. Like, just to show people that you're not under their control, that you're not restrained, that it's not, I'm only doing this because I have to. No, I'm free. I'm actually free. Like, there's nothing worse than you think about those slave movies and stuff where the people do things where it shows that even though you're my master and I'm your slave, but I'm still free. Like I still am a free spirit in Christ. You know what I mean? I love that. And it's that generosity that we will always go that extra mile, but we don't expect to be rewarded for it. Now that's the biggest thing. There's people that make out they go the extra mile. Yeah, I'll do that. I'll run there. I'll do this. I'll get that. They, they make out that they're going to do the extra mile. But then when they've done it, they turn around and go, oh, so um, you know how I did that for you the other day? You know how I, I set up for you the other day because church was running a bit late and I helped set up? Do you think I could preach this week? <laughs> yeah. Why not? No. I set up last week because I saw a need and I just did it. And if no one ever noticed or someone did, it's completely irrelevant. That's true generosity. It's not expecting a return on what I've deposited. <laughs> Definitely. Number 43. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you 
that you may be sons of the Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Jesus wants us to be a welcoming people. Love your enemy. That's so hard. It's so easy to say and think about it, but man, truly loving your enemy. Where he's saying, don't just love the people that love you, because everyone does that. You're not salt. You're not light. If you're just loving the ones that love you, if you're just connecting to the people that you always connect to, no. Jesus is saying, your light and your salt to this world will be when you're loving the unlovable when you're reaching the unreachable, when you're loving on the one that is actually going against you, that's hurting you, that's hating on you, when they're persecuting you, when you're loving them, then you're being my salt and my light to this world. So it's so hard and it's not an easy outworking to love the ones that are hating you, to love on your enemies, to pray for them, to want the best for them. I find it so interesting that Jesus says the sun rises and falls on the righteous and the unrighteous. He sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Like, how much more do we need to show that love? That we need to to be able to pour out God's grace and love on all aspects of life. Even the ones that knock you, the ones that you don't like, that, that, that group out there that you can't connect with or you don't like. We need to pour out love on everyone equally. Man, it's so, like Jesus just takes everything to a whole new level for us. So we need to catch that he has so much more for us, that that he sees so much more. And if we could just settle in our hearts what Jesus is trying to tell us here, there's so much where he's saying we can, we can be the salt and light to this world. I'm going to finish with this verse. It's from the message. I'm really enjoying it at the moment. Um, see in um, Matthew 7, 13 to 14. Don't look for shortcuts to God. The market is flooded with surefire, easygoing formulas for a successful life that can be practiced in your spare time. Don't fall for that stuff. Even though the crowd of people do, the way to life, to God, is vigorous and requires total attention. Enter through the narrow gate for the wide gate. and For, the, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. It's not easy what Christ laid out for us to do. Remember at the beginning, your righteousness needs to be more than that of the Pharisees. But if we can find that narrow path and we can stick to it, then we will be in that moment where we're seeing revival in our nation because then we will be the true soul and the true light to this world. Cool. Thank you. 
You've been listening to the GGC Life Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. For more, please visit our website, ggclife.com or email us, ggclife at ggclife.com. From our house to yours, be blessed.